welcome to tonight's episode of the Group Therapy Podcast. Today we have comic book artist and all-around cool guy, Adam Fields. Adam, tell us about yourself. What's up? Well, first off, thanks for having me on. I'm super excited to be be on here and chat with you. It's been a while since we've seen each other. Oh, yeah. The, so, yeah. yeah, Jim and Dan's, I think, was the last time. So. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, my name is Adam Fields. Um, I'm a comic book illustrator, independent comic book illustrator. Um, I write an illustrated comic book series called Prowl. Uh, I've worked on multiple different indie projects. Um, I've been published through Antarctic Press, Image Comics, Aftershock Comics, and uh, all around just love creating stories and putting it out there. It's a really fun industry to uh, to be in. So, yeah, glad to be here. Yeah, yeah it was a uh, 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 last Jim and Dan show. Um, you going to be at the next one? Uh, one i sure will yeah i sure will it's uh february 27th i believe at the right state union yep that's uh actually where i got my start was at one of their shows you know it, it's funny because i've talked to some other artists and uh you know these uh, couple guys that they they just want to you know this is my stuff you need to look at it need to buy it you know they don't want to do conventions they don't want to be out there. I was like, man, you got to get out there. You got to be getting your, you know, paying your dues. And, you know, you got to be out there busting your butt, doing the conventions. You got to be going to shops. You got to be doing free comic book day. I was like, you know, because mm-hmm. then you build a audience. Then them people will be like, hey, you got to check this guy out. You know, but you get the ones who like, well, my art, you, you should pay for it. I'm like, I admit you're good, but. If people don't know who you are, no one's going to pay for it. So exactly. And no, I, I, I started doing the the con circuit just because of that exact reason. I wanted to get in front of people because I was a nobody. Like I literally just I was in a corporate job when I first got started. So like I went from marketing at a, a manufacturer to creating my own story and content and wanting to work with other people so the best way i knew it was to do that bluegrass marketing and set up and get in front of people yeah because because you know it, it almost doesn't matter how good your artwork is if no one knows who you are you know and and the best way to do that is is you got to start at the bottom and work your way up you know, I, and I t- and I tell people this. I remember doing Dayton shows in the early '90s, and you know who was setting up next to me at shows? Dave Mack, Kyle Hotz. They were set at the booth next to me. You know, no one knew who these guys were. I remember doing mm-hmm. Columbus shows, and Jeff Smith was set up there. You know, before Bone, and no one knew who he was. And now look at these guys. You know, and it's it. You guys are you know somewhere you do yeah you do you know and and i it's an honor to actually have gotten to set up with a few of them um kyle and i is actually set up at a double and comic um he had a moon night cover come out and yeah. uh so pete actually had me at the store with him so it was kind of cool to be able to set up with one of my my favorite artists and that's something that when i first got started it was miles and, and like thousand miles away from what i thought would be and a few years later i'm sitting there talking with him like we're good friends so yeah oh, it's yeah. pretty cool it's it, it's funny you know like i said i've 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 been in this business since i was 15 so i've been doing shows 
and stuff for 32 years now. And yeah, I, I started working at the first comic shop at 15. I turned 47 last year. So <laughs> uh, I've been at this for a long time, not including the fact that I was just a collector before that. Um, but, you know, it's, it's, it's neat seeing, you know, the guys that I saw early on, you know, no one knew who these guys were. No one knew who this one was. No one, knew, you know, and next thing you know, it's, it's, it starts going that, you know, they start networking and stuff like that. Next thing you know, you know, you're getting work, you know, I was like, I remember meeting Sean Forney back in the day, you know, and he was just doing his little stuff. Now he's, you know, doing covers and inks or you know, doing co colors, I believe for, uh, he does a lot of Zenoscope. Colors. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And, um, mm -hmm. you know, Zenoscope, he's done dynamite. Yeah. He's done it all. Oh yeah. Seeing, uh, uh, Dave and Andy and them guys, you know, forever and now look at them guys it's it's and it's seeing you you started out now you got your books out you're working and doing stuff for like you said antarctic you're doing stuff for aftershock i mean that's really cool and it, it's it's really nice seeing you know you're not local guys doing doing good you know and uh it's it's always fun <laughs> that, that's actually one of the biggest things that like my one of my biggest messages that I try to push towards people is like you said I'm I'm to you I'm local you know yeah. to the viewers you know they're like well we're we're in Ohio yeah you know and and it it's I'm from a very very small town all right we uh we have like maybe five stoplights and like that's it and there's cornfield as far as the eye can see so having a big dream like this when especially when I went from a corporate setting to this like everyone thought i was crazy because the company i was with is, is huge it's a it's one of the largest ones in the world um for it's it's you know it's um uh style i guess and i i i just wasn't satisfied so um i kind of took a risk especially with having a, a family um to pursue this but this is i went to college for graphic design marketing advertising all that and that's what I kind of thought I was going to do. But um, I was working on Prowl at the time just for fun. And uh, Jim and Dan, Dan actually had invited me out to his show. So I actually split the table with, with someone else local. And uh, it went over really well. Like we made one big sale and I was on top of the, the moon. Like it was crazy. The next year, we ended up doing 25 shows. So I went to from one to 25, and that's literally how I dove all in. It was not cheap to get started because I had to pay for every single table. We had to pay for the gas. We had to pay for, you know, rental if, if we needed to. We needed to pay for a hotel if I needed to. I tried to stay as semi-local as possible, but, you know, those bigger shows, I, I wanted to try to branch out really quick. And my ultimate goal is really funny was, the biggest con at the time that I thought of was Gym City Comic Con because I saw it on the commercials and I'm like, I need to get to Gym City. And uh, that was one of my goals. Well, two years after I started, um, I, we were, my wife and I were actually walking around. Uh, no, it was actually the same year. We were walking around Gym uh, City on day one and uh, we saw an empty table and Dan happened to be there. And he goes, hey, you want me to talk to Jesse and see if you can set up tomorrow, which was Sunday. I'm like, oh, I don't know if I'm ready. Like, I, I don't have a lot of stuff. He goes, now nah, you're good. My wife forced me into it. She goes, you're, you're doing it. So we came home. 
that night and packed up my stuff and I loaded in that morning and that was my like I was like I arrived and ever since then you know I've done C2E2 I've done Indiana Comic Con I've done um, I did a Wizard World and you know uh, the Huntington Comic Comic Con in West Virginia I mean we're starting to branch out to these bigger multi-day shows Cincinnati Expo is one of the bigger ones we do so it's I want to tell anyone who wants to get started, it's a grind in the beginning and it doesn't stop. It gets a little easier, but you still have to be able to invest that much energy and time and effort into your career. And I don't care if you're from a small town that has one stop sign or if you're from a major city, you can make it happen. Yeah. Because, you, you know, if you've got the talent and you've got the, the drive, you're, you can do something, you know. But Absolutely. You got, you got to have that drive. You can have all the talent in the world. If you don't have any drive, then, you know, yeah. um, well, Stuart Sager and I were just talking the other day about it. He said, you know, you've got to set goals for yourself. We, as comic book illustrators, you know, once you sort of get your big breaks, it's easy to get complacent. Like, all right, I've made it, but there are younger, hungrier people out there that will happily pass you up. So yeah. it's not that you want to cut anyone's throat. It's just, you want to maintain your spot on the boat before someone comes in and, and bumps you from it. Yeah. What was it? Um, my son uh, said he, he wants to get a sign that's um, so he put up in his room. This is fight like you're the third monkey on the, <laughs> on the way to the ark and whether it's starting to rain. <laughs> that's right. Fight like the third monkey on the ark and it's starting to rain. Right. Oh, yes. That's great. You know, and it's funny because, you know, you talk about that, you know, I've been at this and in the comic book business collecting and everything since I was little kid. I, I don't remember not collecting comics. And some of the biggest comic book stars that I loved as a kid. This whole this generation doesn't really know because people have bumped them down the, the list. And it's not that their art ever really changed or. They got, I think, you know, some of them just got older and, and sort of kind of retired, but, you know, mm -hmm. I'm a huge fan of Walt Simonson. I grew up on his run on Thor. You know, there, there's kids that do not know who Walt Simonson is. You know, they don't know mm -hmm. that his name appears at the end of, you know, the Thor movies, as that's the reason you got that Thor movie. <laughs> that Thor, yes. Yeah. Yes, yeah. they... They just, they don't, they don't understand that they're the ones that paved the way for us. You yeah. know, I always give credit where credit's due to all the, the veterans before us that literally created this industry that we can actually say that we're a part of and whether they're doing it part-time or if they're all in, I, you know, there was someone before you that uh, really made it easy for us. I'd like to say. Yeah. And, and those guys had to start somewhere too, you know? and yeah um and you know i always hear that term breaking in which back then you really did have to break into comics you know you really had to um i always think of you know mcfarlane and, and the guys that originally the og image mm -hmm. crew that sort of kind of created the rivalry between themselves and marvel and dc you know they kind of set the bar higher and started taking you know some of the top talent and they were really what made it a break-in industry. Now it is—it's a little easier to break in with you know digital print and 
you know, social media and, and, you know, you can really publish your books either through Amazon or on your own. Really, you can create your own imprint versus trying to pitch it to one of the bigger ones. Now, I know, like, I'm looking at publish or pitching my story through image just because I know I don't have the F or the, the, the reach mm-hmm. to, you know, hit all four corners of the world like image does so i'm i know i've got a story i want to focus on it and the artwork versus that and the publishing side because publishing is a full-time gig and they've already done the hard work so i'm i'm pitching to them and a few others just to see who i can you know sort of get on my side yeah because right now um it's funny because i'm a big supporter currently of a lot of the indie books and i i guess Mm -hmm. i'm going to say indie but you know, small smaller publishers like Black Mass, Scout Comics, uh, Aftershock, mm-hmm. Vault. It, these guys are putting out good stuff, and it's funny because I'm I'm sitting there telling people I'm like, you you need to check this stuff out, and they're like, oh my god, you know, I've never heard of this book. I'm like, you need to jump on it. It's going to be, and that's why a lot of these books suddenly are getting stupid hot because, you know, the print run mm-hmm. might only be 500, and you know, they sold out immediately and they go to second print or whatever. And then somebody goes, some publisher or somebody else is like, we want that book. We're going to publish it or, you know, production company or something wants the rights to it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I know it, it came out through image, but stray dogs that came out mm-hmm. of nowhere. And it was, it was before the first issue came out. I think Paramount got the rights to it. If I remember right, it might be something like that. I believe so. Yeah. I believe so. I heard that. And that book is, the fact is it's Disney meets David Fincher is the best explanation for that. And I was like, you guys are sleeping on this. You need to get this. And it's funny because I've turned so many people onto it at the shop that have gone back yep. and gotten the reprints and everything else. So. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, we look at, um, a lot of uh like the netflix shows and and like the the originals that like you know the boys you know some mm. people didn't even know that that was the comic book to begin yeah. with or locking key and i'm like no th- this is where all these original ideas are coming from they were either books or graphic novels to start yep so you know because let's face it comics we do over half the work for them with the writing the character development and sometimes the, uh, the the camera angles and the cinematography. Yeah, storyboard like, the whole entire thing. <laughs> yeah, your storyboard and everything. So it's like, well, here here it is. Just put your spin to it. And, you know, because comic fans, I know a lot of us, we look for our iconic panels in, in the movies. You know, when Iron Man and Captain America and Civil War were face-to-face, that iconic scene with oh, him, yeah. with his repulsor to go, I mean... It, that was ripped right from the pages. So it's really, really cool to see those homages. Yeah, and, and it's it's funny because uh, there's people who have no clue that like 300 was a book. Sin City yep. was a book. Um, you know, you're just, I'm like, yeah, that was a comic book. And and what? You know, Sweet Tooth. Uh, you know, some of these yep. horror movies that come out, like Sweetheart and stuff like that. I was like, that was a comic book. And they're like, what? I'm like, yeah, yeah. I, I go digging yeah. through my stuff. I'm like, yeah, it's right here. See, <laughs> and I just heard that Oblivion song was picked up, or was at least option. So I heard a rumor Jake Gyllenhaal might be the lead lead yeah. on that. So I mean, 
I mean, it's like, yeah, all these were comics to begin with. So when I get asked, because um, I'm actually on a uh, an advisory board for our trade school, um, when I get asked by parents at meetings or, or parent events, whether or not this is a good career, you know, if their kids could really get do something with it, I said, absolutely. I am. Uh, thousands and millions of other people are. And if you look at Hollywood, that whole credit list, all those guys, and the art department all had a dream too and they're mm-hmm. doing it so yeah uh, so i started flipping the script on him and i, I started asking him so you don't believe in your kid like <laughs> i start making him feel guilty yeah. so was it oh, every well. kid has unlimited potential until they're told they don't so absolutely so, and and it's it's funny because yeah. I, I i'm i'm my kids the whole world's ahead of them and uh, i always tell them i was like you can do whatever you know i i will mm-hmm. I will be behind you the entire time. And uh, yep. so unf- I flat out told my kids move, move out of our area, move out of the County, move out of the state. If you need to, to pursue your dream and, and make something happen. I said, we will travel. I don't care. We will come visit. Um, I don't, <laughs> I just don't get complacent, but if there's something that you want that holds you back, you know, that's fine. But uh, you know, there's a whole wide world out there. So yeah. it's it's unfortunately my son Joe will probably just follow right in my footsteps because he'll just pick up when I take him. <laughs> he's, you he's, know that's fine. Yeah, he's uh he's my uh he's me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so um I, I got to get this one out of the way. If you can work okay. on any book or any character. Who are you working on? Spawn. Spawn? It used to be Venom, but I'm telling you, Spawn, I now that he's got his universe out there, I've not read them, but I've seen some of the artwork, and I know a few of the artists that are on the titles. They That is a world that I would absolutely love to be a part of and put my touches on The Violator and Spawn. And, you know, all, like, that whole cast is just so gross i love grit and dark and that's my my approach so yeah spawn 100 percent. that's funny I, I i i know this is bad I, i'm getting all those spawn books except for spawn i get king spawn really? i get gunslinger spawn i get scorched and uh i just i loved spawn when it first started and i yeah. liked it to about i think about issue 100 and then mm-hmm. I just kind of, it kind of fell off for me. Um, it, but there's, there's story arcs I like, but like, oh yeah, oh, yeah, you know, uh, but now with what they're doing with like Gunslinger Spawn and Scorched, I'm like, hell yeah. I'm like, sign me up. The artwork's great. The covers are great. The, the, yep. You know, and then I'm, I'm, I shouldn't do that. I'm a sucker for that stupid variant cover bull crap. <laughs> right. I gotta admit, I, I love the variant covers. Um, I don't, I'm, so this is, might just be a big sin, but I'm not a comic book collector. A, so a lot of my fans know that, and now, you know, the world's going to know, but what I do collect is story, you know, I do tra- collect um, trade paperbacks and certain, like, um, single issues like Oblivion Song, for instance. I have all of them to date, all first printings. I love mm-hmm. that storyline. It was really good. Um, but I just, one, I don't have time to really collect um, in the variant, but if there is a cover that comes out from one of my favorite 
artist, you know, like if Stuart has a cover, I always grab it. Kyle has a cover, I grab it. Todd um, Knock is one yeah. of my other favorite illustrators from Marvel. I got his covers. So there are certain titles that I get, I have that I'll, I'll look through, but um, I wait for the trades to come out. Um, but I do, from a business standpoint, I do like the uh, variant cover side because that's how a lot of us get our start is doing variant covers. So it is a really cool opportunity. You know, one title offers up five different covers plus maybe a store variant. So yeah. I've got my foot in the door because of store variants. So um, it's really neat to uh, to be on that side of things and, you know, get to see your your artwork on a book that, you know, only a handful of people in the world are going to get. So yeah. it's a really cool feeling. And uh, yeah, it's, it's now I'm, I'm the other way around is, is uh, I, I am a, massive collector unfortunately my uh tina hates it but <laughs> <laughs> well, I, we all I, gotta have a, a hobby you know what i mean i i i have uh i got ocd and we were talking about this earlier because me and mark were at the gym and i go i i i'm not even i, I collect x-men i not i don't much care for the current storyline and stuff like that i was like but i've literally clicked x-men since i was like seven so like for 40 years you know how hard of a habit that is to break <laughs> you can't break that no you got to see it through yeah i was like I, I will collect it until i die and go dad these books are good these are garbage just <laughs> that's right yeah that knowledge is gonna be priceless at that time mm -hmm. remember when x-men was the must-have book you you I mean every kid mm -hmm. read x-men and now it's like Mm -hmm. you know i have guys that that have collected x-men for years and now they're just like yeah nah, i'm dropping it i'm like i get it i'd drop it too but yeah. i can't <laughs> you can't no. can't it's in your dna now oh yeah Definitely. you got the x gene you know what i mean this <laughs> oh my god that swamp thing I, i'll collect swamp thing till the day i die uh now swamp thing is one i do like i'm I, I remember the, the 90s TV show. And I actually had the old action figures and stuff. That was one I really loved as a kid. That's when I started really liking the, the dark grunge stuff. And I was like not even 10. So I I was the uh, um, I remember finding West when Wes Craven made the uh, the original Swamp Thing movie. And I was mm -hmm. like, that's cool and then i found the comics and i was like oh. and that's when i discovered bernie wrightson and and uh and I was like, bernie oh God. and and uh, and i i fell in love with that dark you know horror artwork that he did and mm -hmm. and that was downhill then i was you know i was also collecting like tomb of dracula and werewolf by night and stuff like that and i still collect yeah <laughs> oh yeah yeah uh, that has always been my go-to style was dark and gritty and i always get asked well, you know what's the hardest thing to for me to draw and it's like anime and cute you know i can't do that i i have to like like i'm just looking at this recent cover i did I, it's dark and gritty and i love it that's the more ink i can throw on it and the more texture the better I, I always told people back in the day when I could when I could still draw for years factory work has killed my hands but I used to be pretty good mm -hmm. and I was like I could draw really dark you know stuff and then I was like they're like what well, can't you draw puppies I can't draw puppies I can't draw kids puppies and cherubs yeah I can't draw cute <laughs> stuff 
I can draw like barbarians and and war machines and all that stuff like that. But man, try to get me to draw something cute and fluffy. Can't do it. Can't <laughs> can't do it. No. You know, I I used to try to be the jack of all trades. You know that that old saying of like I can draw anything. But now I've actually limited myself because one, I don't want to get frustrated working on something, and two, I don't want to deliver something that is not my best. You mm-hmm. know, I I don't want them. I don't want them to pay me for mediocre and for something that somebody else could have knocked out of the park. So um, if it's dark, gritty, even if it's not even a horror themed comic or whatever, but if they can just let me be me in the book, awesome. Or on the cover or whatever. But if they want, you know, something friendly and fluffy and think um, Scotty Young, I, I can't, I tried him or um, George Corona, or Jorge Corona, however you want to pronounce it. I, I can't do that type of artwork. I've tried. I've practiced. I've even tried drawing Pokemon. I can draw Pokemon and stuff, but I find myself, like, wanting to render it out and, like, add shadow, like, just to go all in. I That's just how my brain works. So if someone wants a commission of Pokemon, I can, but uh, I'd rather yeah. do my style. You, you ever had somebody commission you work like bring you a sketch cover and go hey can you draw you know this and be like yeah i, I can't do that <laughs> I, cannot get- I have i have turned down more jobs than i think any businessman really would like to admit but i think one of the most important things about anyone really getting started in this is know your limits i mean i i get asked all the time how do i price you know from people just getting started how do you price yourself what do you get paid per hour i'm like i don't I don't get paid per hour. I get paid per piece. If I can knock a piece out in an hour and I don't, I charge a hundred dollars for that commission. Cause maybe they ask for venom. I can draw him in my sleep. Mm-hmm. I, that's awesome. But if they want me to draw iron man, where it's a little more technical and I haven't drawn a lot, I'm going to get paid less, but I'm not going to charge them more for my headache and my frustration. That just means I got to practice more to cut that time down. Yeah. So, you know, they're paying you for your, your expertise, your your talent, your skill, and your time, but they're not paying you per hour per yeah. se. So, you know, that's that's one of the biggest shifts that I had to do from the corporate life to um, to basically being an independent artist. And that's one thing that I try to guide others into is one practice, <laughs> definitely build up your mental library, invest in books. Like I have this pose book and I have flagged for different poses i like that is a thick one but it has all sorts of pre-rendered and i will sketch these out all the time um just for practice it was funny because i i've i've known a lot of people who getting in their business and in comic books and stuff like that and almost every one of them for like christmas i buy them gray's anatomy i get them the anatomy book i'm like there you go that's that's probably one of the best things yep um, I have like, I think I have like four or five actual anatomy books that break down the muscle and how they connect. And like, I look like I'm trying to become a doctor and I'm not, I just know how the muscles work because if I'm drawing it, I need to know it. And that kind of goes back to the style where I will render out every muscle fiber that you have and I can't simplify it like gravity falls or something. I just, I, I don't know how to do that. So it's just not my wheelhouse and I'm not really wanting it to be. No. So. There's people who uh, um, oh. I was talking to. I can't remember if it was 
Ken or Buzz, uh, the ones the guys that used to do Living Corpse. And mm-hmm. he goes like, and he goes, I can't draw. You know, people want me to draw like, you know, um, you know, Scarlett Johansson, uh, Black Widow. He's, I can't draw Scarlett Johansson, Black Widow. He goes, I can make a right. cartoony version of her, you know, like like my style. He yep. goes, I can't do that. And so he's like sitting there going, this is what I can do. And you see the guy just kind of like, oh. And they're like, dude, that's pretty cool for, you know. <laughs> yeah 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 that's another thing is portraits portraits portrait like i can sketch if needed it just takes me a very long time because again the attention to detail um is huge and i've actually recently started turning those away Mm -hmm. because a lot of people want to draw maybe a deceased relative Mm -hmm. i understand that i really would love to be able to contribute one if my schedule allows it I'll, i'll take it on but two if all you have is a grainy photo from the 60s I can't really work with that. Um, it's kind of tough. And I've I've actually kind of pissed off a few people in my time because I wasn't able to make it look like their memory of their relative. And I'm like, I'm sorry, but these are the photos you gave me. I I don't know what they look like. They, yeah. they want them smiling, but the pictures look like they're angry. Or it was a, a candid photo where they didn't even know the camera was there. So I'm like, I don't know what their dimples look like. I didn't, you know, I don't know this stuff. So I I've very rarely will take on a portrait style piece. And if they want me to draw them in a comic, I might do that. But um, I haven't had a lot of requests like that. So again, that goes back to, you know, know your limits and know what you're good at and, and communicate that to your, your customer. I mean, they're, they'll be okay if you explain to them why something because they want to they they don't know everyone that you've worked with so i explained hey just like i'm explaining to you this is why this is what i've experienced and uh, honestly it just wasn't worth it for me in my time um to uh to invest in that so yeah and they're always seem to be pretty cool about it as long as you're honest oh yeah it's funny because you were talking about that i almost every time we've had free comic book day and we've had artists in the shop you always have the one guy come in and go, hey, can you draw my family as the X-Men? And I just like, oh. always. It's, it's like, you know, you just want to look at them and go, but I'm not going to lie, almost pretty much everybody we've ever had has stepped up and tried to draw them as, mm-hmm. you know, but you're just still like, you, you, you can just yep. see the look of like, oh. yeah, I'll uh, do it. <laughs> You see the disappointment, but we fight through that smile like absolutely. Because you know, in, all, in the end, we don't want to disappoint anybody. I feel so bad, and my wife can actually you know attest to this that when I have to turn somebody away, I, it, it eats at me. And it's not even because of the the money per se. It's just they kind of had their heart set, and they they came to me and asked. And to me, that's an honor. Mm-hmm. Like you're asking me to create something so personable for you. And I know I can't deliver one, it's either time or I just don't think I do it justice. And that feels bad. So, you know, there's really no way to practice drawing likenesses of, of other of certain people. You can practice sketches all you want, but at the end, everybody looks different. So, I mean, oh, yeah. I've, I've had to redraw a few things before because they said it didn't look like them, even though it was literally that the grid method i you know i literally gridded out their their portrait 
onto paper. It was an 18 by 24 um, poster size. And I gridded out perfectly. And I showed it to about five different people. I'm like, that is spot on. But the person was not happy because their little angel had too big of a forehead. And I'm like, sorry, but she does. Like, I don't, I'm not a car, like, it's not a caricature. This is just how she is. Her hair was pulled back. It made her forehead look big. Big. That gets the exact. It fit in five squares. It was in five squares on on this. So, oh well. Well, uh, can't win them all. Oh, I I think it was um, I want to say it was Alex Ross, who said mm-hmm. he would never do another licensed property, because he did. Uh, I want to think. I want to say it's him. He 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 wouldn't do because he had to do Xena, I believe. And Lucy mm-hmm. Lawless was like, "That doesn't look like me. That doesn't look like me." And he's like, oh. "Vote it, it does. It does." <laughs> and I can't see Alex not messing something up like that. Yeah, it, it, I want to say it was that. Don't quote me one hundred percent. I know it was somebody, and no. I'm almost positive it was Xena. And for some reason, I was thinking it was Alex Ross. So, no, yeah. If they're getting licensed like that, I really, you know, I can't see it. I just think that they're so used to having their butts kissed on set all the time that when something doesn't go the way they see it, they, you know, yeah, yeah. I can see that happening. Because yeah, you're like, oh, my butt's for him. No, you got a big down. ass. No. <laughs> yeah, you, you got, you're kind of big back there. Yeah. Uh, uh, it's Those are fun. Oh, yeah. It's I, I like I said I always I always feel bad because I've seen it at cons for for as long as I've been doing cons you always have the artist over there and you always have the people going oh draw me in a comic or draw let's do that I mean have I have yeah. has, has this mug appeared in a comic book yes do I look at it and go die I don't that don't look like me I'm like eh, it looks close enough <laughs> I can tell close it's supposed enough. to be me got the beard got a hat yeah you know that's for me and and a lot of people know this that i i turned down a lot of those those type of jobs just because you know it it just doesn't feel right for me to say yes but there have been times that you know whenever i want to go into a kickstarter and someone asks me hey if if someone pays for this tier would you draw them in the comic i will say yes all the time because one that's going to get someone interested in that tier which Mm -hmm. helps the publisher and they're going to know Adam never does this. So the fact that he's willing to do it, it's special because yeah. I do, I want to feel, so I want it to be something that they can, they know is one of a kind. Like I don't do it often, but when I do, it's something special. So, yeah. It's, yeah. It, yeah. Cause it, it's, that's not your wheelhouse, man. Don't, you know, so if you, if you yeah. go, if you're going over there, that's, you're putting effort into it, you know, <laughs> I am. And I, I try to go all out on pages, man. Like the way that I lay out the panels from the character placement to, you know, just the action and just to make everything look dynamic. If I know there's not a lot of words on the page, you're going to get a full page of art. And if you're getting small panels here and there, it, basically, I just, I just know I try to fit as much as I can in that little tiny area to make it cool to look at. But you need to read the words, too. So, so yeah. Yeah. Um, now, who who are some of your influences? You know, we just talked about you know the gr- grim and gritty mm-hmm. stuff. We talked about Bernie Wrights, and so I mean, yeah, there there were so many. So when I first got started, I would shut my office door and I would scour YouTube to try to find somebody. Um, 
that was giving out comic advice. And that's how I stumbled upon Todd Knock. Mm-hmm. And uh, funny story is I actually ended up meeting him at C2E2. And I told him the story like, hey, I found your videos on how you were sketching on post-it notes. And I was following along in my office on my post-it notes. And when you started drawing with or coloring a Copics, I went out and bought a full set. Like, and he talked to me like we were best buds. And that meant the world to me. He was introduced to me to these other artists that I, I didn't know who they were until I saw their work. And I'm like, oh my God, like it was really cool. So he's a huge influence, not only just on the, the art side of things, but how he treats his fans. That is the way that I want to, I want people to walk away with that type of memory. Um, art related though, David Finch, love his attention to detail, love like every bit has energy in it from every wrinkle that he draws to his Walking Dead covers that he did, all the the, the grunge and, and just gore on the zombie side and the same amount, but it was cleaner on the like, it was really neat. So I love David Finch style. Um, Capullo was one of my earliest influences. Him and uh, McFarlane were some of my very, very early ones. And Capullo, I read when I first got into comics, he had was doing um, uh, Zero Year and Batman. Mm-hmm. And that was the first series that I actually had bought the whole set. And I actually still have them because it's what got me started. I read them all the way through. I copied some of the panels and, and art style. I'm like, man, I love his. He makes it look so simple. And Jonathan, his inker, like cleans up all his mess. So Jonathan's one of my favorite inkers. Um, can't really beat it. And uh, yeah, so I was copying, you know, him just trying to get his style, but he makes it look way too easy for what's in that, that his, his pages. Um, but yeah, those were some of my big, big influences. Jim Lee, you know, his, his work, but uh, I think I lean more towards David Finch um, on, on the line art and yeah. sort of how he renders everything. David Finch's run on uh, Moon Knight was just stupid good. I, yeah that's phenomenal stuff right there um so all right now if you could work with anybody like you you get a writer and you get an an inker who you getting okay writer (sighs) i'm gonna say robert kirkman for writer writing because he has such great stories and they're always out there. I love that. I would be, I personally like to pencil and ink my own stuff just because I can speed it, speed through it. But if I had to pick an inker, Jonathan, just to clean everything up and a good inker is also a good illustrator. I have found there, anyone can really trace a line, but somebody that takes a special person to see what you're trying to do and make it their own. That's the key. So Jonathan does that. Jonathan is the one I'm talking about, if anyone didn't know. And then for colorist, oh, my God. Well, if I got Jonathan, I got to go Fuka. Uh, like, his, his colors are just so simple. Like, there's not much to it. And honestly, I've been told that comic book coloring, it just needs to be enough to push the story forward. It doesn't need to be over-rendered and everything. Um, I am honored, though. For the book that I just completed, I hired my um, one of my good friends, one of my very first friends when I got started. Um, his name's Chad Shodel. He's coloring the, the newest book. And let me tell you, 
I'm 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 glad I picked him. He's knocking it out of the park. So um he actually told me he's like, I'll be the Fuko to this. I said, I go for it, dude. Just have fun with it. I didn't even give him any guidelines. I said, whatever you come up with these characters, besides the main characters, that that's what they're gonna be. I said, I want you to have your voice in it. So I kind of let the range go on it. And I'm glad I did. Yeah. So yeah, that'd be my team. <laughs> That's pretty good. That's a pretty good team, um, and it's funny because I'm gonna go on Kirkman. Is uh, I am a huge fan of Invincible, and yes. Invincible is 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 a, his best work. And people give me shit. They're like, ah, oh, I'm like, no, no, dude, go read Invincible. It, it kicks everything else's ass. <laughs> it, it does. It does. And one of my fans was actually um, he told me to check it out. So after the the series came out and I watched, I binge watched it because I mm-hmm. I fell in love. I had to go back and I I read I think the first two volumes. Mm-hmm. I was blown away. I'm like, oh my god, this, how did I not know about this? You know, Ryan's artwork in it is killer, and that was actually one of the first guys I followed on TikTok. By the way, <laughs> I found him and I'm like, oh, he's on here, awesome. And I so I get advice from him through through TikTok, but um. Yeah, Invincible is I, – I think a lot of people are sleeping on it, and they, they shouldn't be. I, I did not catch it right away when it first dropped. I think I, got, I found, like, issue 10, and I'm just kind of, like, bored when I'm like, it's pretty good. And then I go, like, hey, What's this? You know. one through nine, okay. And then, then it, then it kind of went up pretty good, and then it went back down, and it went back up. But all of a sudden, it's like, oh, my God. And, and yeah. one of the best scenes, and I love this scene in the book – is him on the back of the shuttle flying through space trying to eat a sandwich and it's frozen. And <laughs> just <laughs> the fact yeah. that you would have, I mean, it would yeah. be frozen and you're traveling <laughs> through space. I was like, that's, that's so stupid. This, his attention to yeah. detail. It is. It's, oh, it's, I love it. Yeah. That's why I, I would want Robert because one, I kind of really fell in love with his, his, approach to to everything he's such a troll and he admits it like i, I heard it i heard in a documentary i always put on stuff while i'm working it was about image he when walking dead he you know he lied to him basically to get it published he said something about like it was aliens that was the reason for the zombies and like they were so many issues in and they were like so when the aliens coming in he goes i lied they there's no aliens like to me that is just so ballsy and to change it but it was such a success they were like oh, okay i would never have the guts to do that like I'm, I'm working on my synopsis right now for the full arc stressing myself out this dude goes up and just straight up lies and it, it becomes a multi-million dollar franchise <laughs> i love what's, it what's funny is i remember walking dead first drop because i was i was at the time i was working at dragon's lair down in dayton and no one bought it yeah no one cared it was just another zombie comic at the time yeah. when everything was zombie saturated. And um, I picked up like issues one through six because uh, um, Joanne, who was running it, owned it, it owed me money. And I'm like, eh, I'm just going to take these books for the money. You know, I was gathering up books instead of getting yeah. paid. And one through six of Walking Dead <laughs> were like, all right. So I put them in the thing and I read them and I enjoyed it. And didn't think it was going to be the walking dead and 
And then it ended Man. up being The Walking Dead. Um, the Walking Dead. Yeah. It's, yeah, that was, that really, and what I, I noticed is like that, every zombie book from then on has been compared to it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's why I think in the past three years, I've started, started turning projects down like this, but that I've had at least four or five different zombie books that people have wanted me, or at least short stories that were part of anthologies that were zombie related. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I don't want to break your bubble, but it's just zombies. Like there's no depth to it. You, you just have mindless things going around killing people. There's not even a scare factor. There's not enough for people to get. So like, I got bored drawing zombies at first. I was like, all oh, these are super fun. But now I'm like, I got to find something different, you know? So that's why I enjoyed the, the book that I just did for um, the Sub-Zero Mission. It's called Blue Coat Missionary. It's a nonprofit out of uh, Cleveland. I can talk about it in a little bit, but um, I like that because it is an original storyline, but it's not even a franchise. And I'm, I'm trying my hardest to tell them, we need to push this through to someone bigger than me because it's got some meat behind it and it's got a great motive behind it. So that right there, they already did the hard part for me is coming up with a story for this guy because it represents them as an organization and as individuals. So I'm like, this is crazy. So I'm hoping with what we did, what we're doing on this one, I'm going to try my hardest to convince them to let me pitch it to somebody so we can get more eyes on it and more money in their their nonprofit so yeah that's that's yeah cool. um <clears throat> let's see what well, i think if i got if i've asked you all the questions here i'll show okay. um yeah. <laughs> now when you started when did you start self-publishing when did you decide you know hey this is this is it i'm, I'm publishing yeah so almost right away i knew i was going to be doing it on my own um funny thing is at my old job i was actually the technical writer so i was in the marketing department but i was writing instruction manuals so i was like friends with multiple printing presses and i you know i knew how to format books Mm -hmm. and funny thing is these were all saddle stitch books so i already knew how to format you know saddle stitch Yep. Uh, staple bound, you know, book. So it wasn't really that big of a leap for me to go from telling you how to change fryer oil to telling sequential story. It just, it was the more of the, the, the many details that I needed help with. That's where Dan really kind of came in and, and sort of swooped me up. Um, I was just a, really a nobody walking through his door the first, like, I think they were open maybe two months or something like that and i walked in and said hi my name is adam i really would like to make comics i hear that all the time at con so i can't Mm -hmm. imagine how many times he's heard that in his life and he goes oh that's cool and you know he still took me serious but he didn't realize how serious i was and that i'd already started scripting my way and, and researching so when i started showing him you know basically phases like hey i've already got this this phase done hey i've already got this plotted already got the first couple pages drawn you know um he goes this is good he actually was the one that kind of held me um know what to you know how many issues i should have printed my first time around and Mm. and uh how to really get them in other people's hands and then i actually did my first um launch at their shop 
So Prowl was released January 25th, five years ago. So um, it, it, it's insane to think, but now he's the one that sort of started going, you need to talk to the publisher. So he's the one kind of behind to pushing me into my, my uncomfortable zone of pitching my story to somebody else who's going to distribute it. So he goes, you need to focus on the artwork and story. Let somebody else handle the printing. Um, because he, I think he thinks it's big enough to do something. But right away, I already knew I was going to be doing it myself just because I was a nobody. You know, I didn't have any credit under my belt. I've never done anything with anybody else. So you got to start from the beginning, from, from start. And I rather make the mistakes myself before I bring anybody else on so that when they start coming up with issues, I might have a solution for it. And I can be sympathetic with them. Like, I understand. Don't, don't stress. I don't put harsh deadlines on people. You know, I, I just sort of try to be as relaxed as I can throughout the process because we all have lives. Things happen. You know, it'll get done when it gets done. So, yeah. But I know that'll have to change when I get it to a publisher. But I've learned to have everything all, you know, have as many much as done as possible before talking to somebody. So, yeah, there's going to be a lot of work done before I even send that letter. Yeah, it was uh, um, I talked to another way. He goes, yeah, he goes before I even did any work, sent out any, you know, feelers or anything else. He goes, I had the artwork done for like the first three books of a four issue mm-hmm. miniseries before i even had anything done he goes because if worst comes to worst i can self-publish so it's not like this is going to nope. be a waste so uh, it's it's exactly yeah i mean i exactly I, I i write when i actually have time which is not often um and i i've got some stuff which i've not gotten published because I've got artists that have worked on it and I don't put them on any deadlines. So if I ever get the artwork, it's like, Hey, I can actually publish this now. Uh, I love Jay to death, but Jay Cordray has my book. (laughs) (laughs) He's got, I I have the last page of the first story arc hanging on the wall in my shop. So Hmm. I don't have anything else. I know, I know it exists, (laughs) but I have the last page. Um, but uh, I, I created uh, um, essentially two universes, and I did have a superhero universe, and then I have a like supernatural universe, and yeah, you know, and so I, I fiddle with them still to this day. I've got notebooks full of of uh, stories because I'm I'm weird and I hate typing, so everything is legitimately handwritten handwritten. Then when I have to send it to somebody, I have to type it all out, which I suck at. <laughs> I, I used to have Tina do that, but now Tina's so busy with school and everything else that she doesn't want to type it all out. So now I have to like, uh, 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 uh. okay. Tech is fine, you know. The two finger method. So <laughs> now when you when you create, do do you like plot first? You you know like, or do you write the story first? They just man i fumble through i'm telling you i have a, a couple people that i reach out to whenever i i'm starting to write like hey i have a nugget of an idea like here's here's like an action scene that i want and i really build my story around the action scene 
um, for Prowl. So right now, I've already released issues one through seven. They're good, but they're not great. So I'm actually remastering, and that's what I'm going to be pitching. So I'm actually starting it over from one, and I'm, I'm only going to do six issue volumes. So mm-hmm. that's going to be going forward. Um, so what I did was I knew I, where I needed the story to end that will carry it forward, and I knew what the 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 climax of this arc is going to be. So I literally write down climaxes. And I, like you, I'm old school. I like, like, let me see here. Let me see if I can grab this for you. Yes, there they are. I legit have post-it notes that I write scenes on and like, and I will stick them around as a timeline and will shift them around as needed and then i take a picture of it or i stack them in order and i number them and then i I type them all out so i have you know the major arc done like the full plot but Mm -hmm. then i will break it down into chunks like okay this could be a climax this could be a climax this could be a climax that's going to be how many volumes and then i break it down from there um when i could dive into a script um I don't even worry about dialogue. I don't even worry about panel breaking. I, I know that um, I'm going to have 24 to 26 pages um, in my book. So I try to keep it at least 24. Uh, I think the sixth issue for the remaster of Prowl, I think has, I think 28 pages because I needed, I needed the extra and it's the, the finale. So why not make it go a little longer? Um, so I, I write out you know, page one through 24, you know, in the number. And then on this page, this happens, this page, this happens, this page. And then I will try to figure out how to bridge them and panel. And then I just sort of break it out from there. And it, so far it seems to work. I don't know if that's, you know, how they teach you, but uh, I've learned, I've had to teach myself writing. because I'm, I didn't go to school for writing, you know, I, well, like I said, I was a technical writer. So if you read Prowls one, two, and I think three, it sounds very robotic, I've been told, as they're they're talking in the dialogue, because that's how I was taught. I worked with a paralegal side by side on how to write these documents. That's all I knew. But now I've learned how to free flow and and have give people their own um, voice and their own, you know, uh, basically their own dialect, like. You, you know, I think of Penguin often in, in Batman, how he, he cuts off some of his, his words and you read it that way to give him that, that New York style accent. So it's like, ah, this is, that's what they mean by, it sounds, sounds robotic. Got it. So, yeah. Um, but when, yeah, when I script it, it's um, like the story, I literally just keep it high level. You know, this character dies. That's it. How do I get there? Then what does that affect going forward? Yeah. See, when I when I write, I I write it essentially in prose. So I just write as the entire story as mm-hmm. I need it. Then I go back and would script it as a comic book. And uh, I'm I'm anal, so I I put the 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 I when I'm writing it out, I put at the top of each page. That's how the panel is that I want to you know. I guess the panel. That's how I want it drawn. Mm-hmm. Then you'll go to the next one. It's like this is the panel. This is how I want it drawn. But this is everything in there, and. Um, you know, and, and yes, I've, I'm not gonna lie. I was like, I've done my you know image book. So I had like the one that's just all action, not a whole lot of dialogue. And then, you know, that's my superhero yep. book. 
then I've done my supernatural stuff, which is, you know, a lot of dialogue and, and, you know, mm -hmm. a lot of, you know, go, you know, back and forth between the characters and everything else like that. And that's probably more my vertigo book than my damage book. I, I don't, that's the best explanation I can explain. Right. Books. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, it, it's, no. everybody has their own method, you know, um, I, I knew, uh, I'm trying to remember who it was. Um, he, he would basically draw the book as he would think about it, then go back and put the dialogue in later. And he's like, I, I know this is what Was I that Kirby, at. huh? Kirby did that back in the day. Too. Jack Kirby. Yeah. 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 It's um. Yeah. I worked with uh, Victor Dandridge um, from Vantage In House. We're mm -hmm. I'm actually starting in uh, the second book to uh, his Point of Authority, mm -hmm. um, Family Ties, um, tomorrow. I've already got two pages inked, um, but uh, I'm starting like going forward every day. That's my next big project um and that's what he does he doesn't even do dialogue anything he literally just sends me pan, you know panel one this is you know this is what it, I, it's not even a description it's just you know the look on his face is very sad and, and it's just very very descriptive but i get to figure out okay what how's that going to read best on page and what's funny is he's already done thumbnails himself just in case if I don't have ideas or how, what he thinks it should look like. Mm -hmm. And then when I send him my thumbnails, he goes, dude, these are better. Run with them. I'm like, oh, okay. So he's already got it, but it's like a secret. I'm not allowed seeing him. He wants to see what, what we come up with. He's really, really fun like that. But then he takes what we, we do as artists, um, and then he writes the dialogue to match each emotion and scene. Because he's really good about having descriptive. It's almost – it's. It's like semi-pros, I guess, is what I would call it. They're just descriptions of what's happening in the scene. Almost the Marvel style, yeah, but with no dialogue. So sometimes that gets confusing, I'm not going to lie, not having dialogue. So I'm like, are, like what, are, what are they saying? Like, I need to know something, but it's a big surprise. So when I see the final book, it's like reading it for the very first time. Even though I drew the whole thing. I'm like, oh, this is kind of cool. That's a that is, like I said, everybody has their own method. It's different. Yeah. <laughs> they um, do. Oh, man. It, you know, it, it's funny because when, you know, I've, I've um, just read a while back, well, I reread uh, Kirby King of the Comics, the, the big, uh, Mark Evner wrote it. Um, mm -hmm. That's a great study in that. Um, I just read, uh, I don't know if I have it close by, somewhere on the bookshelf, uh, uh, Steve Ditko's one. Um, which is similar and you're you're you know talking kind of like second almost third hand because Ditko didn't really talk to anybody um, but you know seeing their method and then um, I remember finding the old uh, um, how to draw videos that came out in the in the early 90s on VHS I don't remember if you knew they like comic yeah. rates I think and watching those guys yeah and uh uh, finding um, stuff from like uh, John Buscema create and you're like man no one does anything similar and you know they they tried to do go oh this is the Marvel way we do it all of us do it and I'm like no you don't man <laughs> literally the first book that I bought 
was yep. illustrating comics the Marvel way. Yep. I think every artist, the comic creator should should have this and read it cover to cover and practice because there's some good foundations in there, but then you can modify them your own way because like you said, everyone has their own approaches. Mm-hmm. Like I don't need to shadow and draw and render out anything with pencil. I rough it all in. I look and go, I can figure this out. And then I jump right to inks because that's going to speed up the process and get the book out quicker. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's just, that's, I'm now comfortable with that where earlier I did have to render everything. It was like drawing it three times and that was tough, but now I just jump right into the inks. So you had to Whereas I know a lot of people take that time. Oh yeah. yeah. It, it... And it's funny because you, you showed that. I, I found my uh, uh, How to Draw Comics, the Marvel Way DVD and my VHS uh, tape. So Nice. I'm sure Man. if it was on Laserdisc, I'd own it too on Laserdisc because I'm weird. Right. <laughs> it, it, it's such a good book, though. It's a good good reference to have. But, man, now you can find Like, I follow um, David Finch online mm-hmm. and, on his YouTube channel, and he does amazing tutorials. So if anyone's like, I just don't have time to practice. Literally turn on one of his videos, watch it once, then attempt it because they're not that long. And that gets your, you know, your little practice in for the day. You don't have to practice, you know, multiple things. Just focus on one thing at a time because the way that you learn to render, you know, a tree or whatever will come in handy, you know, down the road for maybe a character that you're drawing or, you know, wrinkles in shirts can come in handy for anything else it just it's training your brain it's not necessarily that focused it's just building that library and getting your brain geared to look for how shadows work and how highlights and, and everything sort of works together yeah it's funny because you talk about that doing it whenever i was like i've i've got a couple buddies when they come around and they're artists and they'll just be sitting at the counter while we're talking and they'll be sitting there just sketching on a junk piece of paper and then I'll leave and it'll be this like mm-hmm. this piece of artwork. I'm like, oh cool. So I'll stick that in the file over here. <laughs> yep. Yep. I don't know how many napkins I've drawn on at uh uh um yeah at restaurants and stuff. I just have no clue. Uh, but I leave it with a tip. And a business card because you just never know. And what's really funny about that, kind of like what you did, it, it kind of means a lot. If you ever bring it out to them, you're like, hey, you remember doing this? Um, I'm sure this will blow their, you know, they'll blow their mind. It's like, oh man, I didn't, I, I can't remember. You kept that. Um, we went to a restaurant in Cincinnati called Americano. Mm-hmm. Um, it's right around the corner from their convention center. Mm-hmm. And uh, one year I did a sketch of a Thanos on a napkin waiting for my food. And a waiter he walked up he goes oh that's amazing i'm like yeah cool have it i don't care you know take it so he took it the next year that's kind of our thing we go go to americano after the first day and he walked up he goes hey were you at the convention last year i said yeah he goes man i i still have there your sketch you did and he brought it out i went are you kidding me like he remembered it so yeah those little sketches they mean a lot to us little uh, us little artists Oh man, I, my, my son, Joe, when he was little, I, I called him a con man because he could con anybody out of anything. And so <laughs> he has just like, he still got them. He's got sketches that these artists would do because he'd just be coming up there and he'd just be watching them do that. And 
you know, he's like, well, what character do you like? And Joe would be like, I don't know, uh, Goku or something like that. Or, or, you know, and these kids would just sketch out a quick one and hand it to him. And the kids still got them. I mean, they're, they, my boys live in their own house now and it's stuff that, that, you know, and, and I'm like, so they're going through some of the stuff. I'm like, wow, I didn't know you met him. I think he's <laughs> right. These kids. Joe was sneaky. Joe would go, we'd go to Pittsburgh and um, I'd be standing in line, like to meet somebody or, or buying some stuff. And he'd like wander next to the booth next to me or whatever. And he'd come back with something. And I'm like, dude, you're not stealing. You know, I thought, it was, you know, I hate to say, I thought my kid had stolen. And I go and I go back and they're like, no, nah, this kid just knew what he was talking about. And this is going on. And I'm like, uh, you sure you want him to have this? Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. And so <laughs> Joe has uh, um, yeah. prints yeah. and everything else that he's gotten from artists and, and sketches. And it, and it, it means the world to him because it was just something that, that they gave to him for, enjoying sitting there watching him when he was like you know eight years old mm-hmm. so <laughs> i love it yeah our our kids have come back from cons because if they're at a show with us you know we just let them walk around especially like gym city or something mm-hmm. where literally we know every booth so i'm not yeah. worried at all um i have eyes on them at all times my oldest he you know he has his phone and everything he'll come back with stuff I'm like how much money did you bring he goes nothing we, they just gave it to us i'm like good lord how do you do that but uh, then again i don't know how many times i've given some stuff away to little ones just because you know so i i've seen it and and i've, I've been on the the giving end of it so you know it's just what we do we try to encourage as much as we can yep and it's uh um years ago i was uh at a newsstand and um, I watched this little kid go to steal a comic book. And this is probably, I don't know, freaking like 1990 or something like that. And um, yeah. I sit there and I looked at this little kid. I'm like, I turn around because I can see him like putting it up his shirt. And I'm like, are you going to steal that? And the kid's like, no. And I'm like, are you going to read it? He's like, yeah. And I went, come here. And we walked up to the counter and I, it was, you know, it was at the time, you know, comic book was like a buck 25. So I gave the, the woman, I was like, you know, I told him, I was like, don't ever let me see you steal. And I was like, I'm going to buy this for you. And years later, the kid came in my shop because you're the reason I like comics. I'm like, sweet. So, <laughs> and now that's cool. Freaking that's now he's cool. an adult and I haven't seen him in probably a couple decades, but you know, it was still nice being able to take a kid who was going to steal a book and getting him and he's like, ends up liking comics because I bought him his first book or whatever, you know, so, or at least yeah. paid for the first book that he didn't yeah. steal. It just takes a little bit of kindness. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. It's, it's a little bit of kindness, man. And we all need it. Yep. I've, I've told people this before. I was like, you know, and have I had people shoplift from the store? Yeah, I, I get it. It's going to happen, whatever. But I've caught kids and I've like, if you would have asked me, I'd have gave you this book, you know, because they're trying to shoplift like, a, you know, the cheap books because they're easy to get to. And I'm like, and they're like, okay. And they're yeah. like, you know, like a couple months down the road, they're like, can I have this? And I'm like, yeah, take it. Now run with it. <laughs> Go. <laughs> I'll see, was that so hard? Right. 
but it, it, it's it's nice being able to see it and and help little kids and and get them to love comics and and yeah so yeah same same you know the comic reading side and then the art side i mean it, it they go hand in hand so whenever someone walks up to our table with a portfolio or their cell phone they, they just want someone to look at it mm-hmm. i will happily spend you know five ten minutes looking at it critiquing and just listen to their story because whenever they leave before and i always tell them one day i want to see you sitting in the artist alley if not next to me and it's happened a few times where i've told someone i want to see you here in the next few years and literally they were in artist alley and it was just cool to see that that little connection that little circle happen and it because that's what happened with me i was walking around cincinnati and that's actually how i met chad he was an artist there and now i end up working with him um it's just it's really cool and it takes no time just to be a kind person and and uplift somebody Mm -hmm. that is there who cares if they don't want to buy from you right away that that's fine you're planting a seed so that someone else can have their dreams come true that that goes way further i think oh yeah it's it's good because, I mean, you just got to get that, you know, well, good karma kind of got, got it coming back, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's because mm-hmm. you never know who you're going to help out. You know, you're going to get no. that one guy that that next thing you know, you know, you're like, hey. you're, And then they're like, I can take you with me. And you're just... <laughs> yep. Oh, Stuart, Stuart Sager is one, one that I always talk about because he was actually at my very first free comic book day. Mm-hmm. Um backing up a little before i even started doing um comics before i i had just had the urge to want to pursue an art career mm-hmm. so i was still at my job and we had went to jim city comic-con and i was just wanting to walk around the, the artist alley and talk to different artists i'd never been to a comic-con before and we happened to go to jim city and it was it, at the, it was still at the student union um i believe yeah so we were walking walking in we were talking to a few people we were there maybe 20 minutes and i stumbled across Stewart's stuff and i really liked his style it was very messy but yet very dynamic and he was his hair was all messed up his fingers were all dirty so he just got done drawing and he was talking to me and i was getting some really good info from him and he he had mentioned that he had done the bionicle comic Mm -hmm. books i loved bionicle i actually had his comics growing up and i didn't know it was him so I was really interested in hearing from him. Well, my son ended up getting sick. So we ended up having to leave. We were there maybe 20 minutes. I didn't get anything. I didn't even catch his name. I just remember what he looked like and what his art looked like. Mm-hmm. Didn't know who this guy. Fast forward the next year, I started doing my own stuff. And Pete offered me um, time. Hey, you want to come set up a free comic day? I'll give you four feet because Stuart's going to be there. He's going to take the bulk of it. I'm like, sure. So I set up next to him and I look at him I'm like, this is the same guy that was talking to me. He gave me so much advice and he flat out told me, he goes, you have a family? I said, yeah. He goes, it's going to be tough. He goes, I'm not going to lie. He goes, it, you're going to, if you have a wife and kid, it's going to be tough. You know, make sure that this is what you want to do because sometimes the paycheck's there, sometimes it's not. And so that, you know, I, I knew the risk going into it. And, uh, now he texts me we talk we set up a free comic day every year together and you know he's invited me out to judge his um 
his wife's uh, art center in Noblesville. Um, they've hosted a, a bunch of different events. I've been out there as guest artist. It, it's just, it's really cool to see that full circle come, but he invested in me and now we're working side by side on stuff. So it's really cool. And that's what I'm hoping to do with the younger generation that want to come in. Yeah. It, it's funny. Cause you talk about that. Um, I knew, I can't remember who told me, um, it's been a long time ago, you know, getting your foot in the door, you know, getting, you know, mm-hmm. you, you take what, you know, get And he was, I think he was working for Moonstone at the time, making $25 a page. And, yeah. you know, he goes, it's where I started working for Moonstone, making $25 a page. He goes, I, I still had to go work my regular job every day as I come home and knock out a page in the evening, a couple pages. He goes, and then that w- rolled into another job and then it rolled into another job until, you know, you're finally, it's an actual job and not just your you know, mm-hmm. hobby. And, uh, you know, some people, like I said, some people think that it's just like, oh, I'm going to get a, you know, $200 a page rate right off the bat or whatever. And I'm like, that's not how that works, man. It's not- <laughs> no, no. You have to take some of the crap jobs. There are more jobs that I didn't get paid for. Now, I've recently stopped working with them. They're on my blacklist. But I didn't get paid for these jobs. And I only got maybe five books for comps. And I'm like, I'm kidding. <laughs> like, that's not enough to cover no. a page, you know? So, yeah, you you have to really know. And that's why I'm really hoping that if anyone ever wants to do this as a job, seek out someone who has made those mistakes like myself or anybody else that's willing to talk to you and let us be your, your guide stones so that you're not getting screwed over like we did. You know, I've, I've now got, you know, policies in place. I, I have expectations and, you know, and my, my customers and writers and editors and all that, no, I'm going to deliver that I have the track record now that Adam charges this much for pencil and ink. And when he says he's going to do a page or two pages a day, they're going to get two two pages a day. Like they just know that. And if I know I'm going to hit a hiccup, communication. I'm always messaging, texting. However, um, like actually when I get off here, I got a call with an editor. I just had a text come through. So I've got a call right after this, but I'm going to get all my stuff done just because you know, that's part of the job. Yep. You got, you got to be, you know, on the ball. You got to be, you know, talking to them. You got to make sure that, that they mm-hmm. know what's going on with you and go, Hey, you know, nope. kids are sick or whatever. I'm be a day behind or whatever. You let them know that you're going to be that day behind. And, yeah. you know, yeah. it, it's, no, it's, no, it's amazing. You know, communication goes so far, you know, nothing's worse than radio silent. Like, are, are you working on it? Are, am, I, am I good? Do I need to find somebody else? Like, that's stressful. I don't want to be someone's stress. I want to be someone's break, you know? Like, when we go to a restaurant or something, or, like, when we go get our hair cut, you know, our, the girl that cuts our hair is like, man, I like when you guys come in because it's just, I know your kids are not going to be crazy. They're going to sit still. They're going to be respectful. I'm like, that's the way I want to be. I want to be someone's breath of fresh air. And... Hopefully other people follow suit. Yeah. And, and, and before I forget, I just realized something. I was going through my books a while back 
I think mm-hmm. I, I've got to get caught up on Prowl. I do not have all seven issues. Yeah. And no, no, they're right above me. Yeah. So I've, yeah. I've got to get, well, it's like, I did, I did not realize until um, I started trying to get my crap in order recently, which is only about a third of my crap because there's, there's two thirds <laughs> that, that are in a room, floor to ceiling, long boxes that I'm not going to get to anytime soon. And that's, that's 30 years of collecting. And then the other 10 years, I've actually been able to kind of touch. Uh, <laughs> and I'm not wow. as bad as Mark. You know, Mark it rolls with me at every show, the big guy. Yep. Uh, Mark's 300 plus long box or boxes worth of books. And um, me, I'm not nearly as bad, but I, I'm, I'm getting there um i will <laughs> never be that bad hopefully <laughs> hopefully but I'm, finally, I'm finally getting my crap in order and what i have here at my house is bagged boarded in order um per box at least right now and then what i do is then i get other boxes and i'm slowly getting that rotated in to all that will be in order and then uh, that's the bad part of that's clarity. awesome though it is, but hey, it's awesome. Yeah. I mean, you get a look back, you have history in those boxes. You know, if someone needs a reference or if someone needs like just a, a recap, I mean, you have it. I love it. it it's it's funny because my, my uh, son Joe is a, loves Iron Man, but he does not like, I mean, he's not reading current stuff and whatnot like that. I mean, his beginning of it was, you know, demon in the bottle because he was reading my stuff when he was a kid Mm -hmm. and, you know, he's not. And so every once in a while I'm like, I'll just, if I get like a stack of books in, like I buy a collection or something, I will just like, Hey, these are now yours. There's like, you know, part of that era and um, literally his favorite cover. And I've gotten him like a couple copies. I got like the new stand and on like the, uh, um, a direct market one that says uh has tony stark in the alley all kind of humped over it it goes by morning yep. tony stark will either be sober or dead and that's his favorite that's his favorite iron man cover ever and wow it's you know it's it's great being able to get him into that stuff and and uh mm-hmm. being able to go back and he can kind of go back to my personal collection because that's i told him i was like anything happens to me that's all yours all those boxes of books are yours. And my wife's like, you know, we're going to have to sell some of that off, right? <laughs> we got a house to pay off, you know? <laughs> so, um, but all the other books. <laughs> yes. I told him there's one book they cannot sell. There's one. And that's my giant size X-Men one. And that was my mm-hmm. personal Holy Grail. I got it. It's a nine is a 9.0. I was like, you can sell everything else off. That you cannot sell. But so, not that one. Not that one. I was like, that's that's going to be a family heirloom. My grandkids will have that one day. So, <laughs> um, I love that. Yeah. And, and I was like, see all this crap back here? Like the arcade cabinets, yeah. all that fun stuff. Yeah. Now my wife's like, you know, that's it's all. A great go. man cave. Yeah. This did not start out completely <laughs> as the man cave. Part of this was supposed to be my wife's. And then when the kids moved out, uh, I just took over the entire, this is my basement. 
and then she took the upper the top yeah. level um and then hopefully i'm going to find out soon i might be buying a warehouse and then i'm going to set that up and then this will actually just be for me and all my collectible stuff will be somewhere else so <laughs> oh nice and it'll nice. i'll be able to have like all my stuff in order and everything else so my ocd will finally give up on me and maybe i don't know so um that'd be awesome yeah well you said you got a, a some business to take care of so i'm going to let you go oh yeah and uh i will be seeing you in a few weeks at jim and dan on the can't wait man seventh and uh I was going to yeah. come over and talk to you at the last show, but literally I was busy the entire time. I'm like trying to like kind of shop and I would like mm -hmm. walk away and then I'd have to hurry up and come back and then walk away for it. And I'd have to hurry up. So it's, I'm going to hopefully be able to come over and actually visit and pick up some stuff yep. that I'm missing next time. So, all right. You send me a list of something, stuff that you need. I will make sure I have a nice little call package for you. All right. Um, I might I might get you to get me uh if you still got like one through seven, um I might do. do that as a uh um put it together and do it as a giveaway for my uh channel too. So absolutely cool, cool, cool. Consider right. it done. Go ahead, sorry. Oh, I'll say consider it done. I'll cool. have it ready for you. Sweet. All right. Well, I'm gonna let you go tonight, sir, and thank you for being on the show. I oh, greatly thank you, appreciate man. it. And uh, this will probably not drop this Monday, but next Monday. So I'm just giving you a heads up now. Cool. So um, take care and hope you get all your business taken care of. And uh, I know Thanks, that man. you're, hopefully you won't get, we won't get this horrible weather that's supposed to be coming and you can get out. Well, I um, My wife already said that I think starting Wednesday, it's supposed to be insane. So we'll see. Yeah. We'll it, see. It depends on which uh weather report like amazon weather is like we're not getting it but like other channels we're getting it so i'm like yeah there's one that she follows and he has been correct every time he, dayton dayton weather spot or something like that he uh, he's got three models and they both say we're going to get at least something one is worse than the other and then the other is the absolute worst so yeah. we'll see all right well Take care, sir, and I will see you. You too, man. <laughs> I can't wait. It'll be Later. fun. Take care. Take care. Bye. Bye. All right. We'd like to thank Adam for taking time off to come visit us today. And uh, Adam is great. I will put some information to his, uh, you know, Facebook and all that fun stuff. Um, and as always, Group Therapy is brought to you by RU Game, the best comic book collectible shop in all of Pickle, Ohio, located at 124 North Sunset Drive, Pickle, Ohio, 45356. Um, and if you're watching this, you can come visit us at Jim and Dan Comic Con at the Wright State Student Union on February 27th, uh, 2022, which is weird to say. Okay. Um, and we will see you next time for more group therapy. Take care.